Well, Tyler Anderson had his first Halo start this weekend against the Dodgers. We'll tell you what he said about himself as he judged his performance. Reed Detmers looked really good. I'm going to let you know who he reminds me of in Angel history. And is Brett Phillips really the fourth outfielder? Or does Joe Adele and Mickey Moniak actually have a shot to take his spot? It's time to get Locked On with Mike and John, and this is Locked On Angels. You are Locked On Angels, your daily Los Angeles Angels podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Angels your first listen every day. Every show is free and available on all platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the best way to help us out is by giving us a rate and a review as JR97701 did recently. Thank you for the five stars. And those watching on YouTube, make sure that you're subscribed and click the bell to be notified every time a new episode drops. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Frisch, one half of the Super Halo Brothers and host of Locked On Angels. My brother John is not here today. He has the day off. He went to see an AEW show this weekend. That's wrestling for those non-nerds out there. And so he'll have a lot of stories for us on tomorrow's show. But in the meantime, I'm going to hang with you and we're going to talk about the Halos weekend here on Locked On Angels, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network where it's your team every day. We're going to recap the weekend. We're going to take a, a deeper look at the starting pitching and spend a moment just talking about Reed Detmers and his potential this season. So let me take you back to Friday as the Halos played the Dodgers. First, it was a really packed house. They had over 10,000 people at the game and there was this special moment at the beginning of the game. Kyle Nevin exchanged the lineup cards with his dad, Phil Nevin. A very cool moment. Phil even got to see him bat late in the game in the ninth inning. Unfortunately for Kyle, he did strike out. Fortunately for the Angels, unfortunately for Kyle and for Phil. So here's some of the things that I saw this weekend starting on Friday. Tyler Anderson had his first Halo start, and he actually looked really, really good against his former team. Two innings pitched, just two walks, and he was interviewed after the start, and he said that this start was really his opportunity to get a feel for the pitch clock. He wanted to see if he was rushed. He wanted to see if he was out of breath. He did say that he was uh, a little more aware of the pitch clock than he wanted to be. And so I think for a lot of these veterans, they're going to have to make that adjustment. Some of the younger guys are probably going to be adjusted to it because the minor leagues did have it last year. But for the most part, you're seeing a lot of guys really adjust to the pitch clock and it's speeding up games. I thought it was interesting that Tyler Anderson really just wanted to focus on his stamina and to see how he would pitch with that clock and not being able to take his sweet time. He actually had to pitch up against the clock. And my opinion, as I watch these games this weekend, it seems like the pitch clock benefits the pitcher initially because they can get into a really good rhythm and know that they're going to throw the ball within a, a, a period of time and that the batter has got to be ready for them to throw the ball. In fact, the batter has got to be ready with eight seconds left. We saw again this week and a few batters get a strike call. One of them struck out because they were not ready at eight seconds. And so the umpires are really holding them to that. And so when these pitchers get into rhythm, I actually think it's going to benefit them more than the hitters to start 
the season. I think the batters actually will catch up. They're going to figure out the pitch clock, but it's interesting to see what Ben Verlander actually had to say this weekend on Twitter. He had a really great breakdown in regards to the batter getting into the batter's box and the pitcher getting ready to pitch. He walked through the 15 seconds, how long it takes for pitcher to get the ball back and the batter needing to get ready and he said it's actually quicker than we think because the batter then steps back into the box after getting the sign and he's got to do it before eight seconds hits and and it takes about seven seconds to get all of that kind of settled and figured out and that's actually pretty quick for a lot of batters so I think actually pitchers are going to benefit from the pitch clock to start the season because they're going to be in rhythm and we'll see if those batters can catch up figure it out what they need to do there was a game I think about 10 years ago where there wasn't a pitch clock obviously but there were some viral videos on Twitter recently of Joey Votto staying in the batter's box and actually watching the pitcher get all warmed up and walk around the mound he didn't leave and I think a lot of pitchers are going to be able to have some freedom, but I think a lot of batters are just going to stay in that box and get ready so that they can prepare for the next pitch that's coming. So let me take you back to Tyler Anderson for just a moment. He said that his delivery and quality of pitches were off just a bit and not where he wanted them to be. Obviously, his first start in the spring, he's got some things to work on, but he also said there's a lot of time to work on his stuff and one of the things, one of the pitches that he's actually working on specifically is his changeup. That's the pitch that he really had success with last season, and he really wants that to be a pitch that he relies upon. What I did see is a lot of Tyler Anderson that we saw last year with the Dodgers, a lot of soft contact. He did induce a double play. Last year, he had a 77.8 ground ball percentage, and I saw that same pitcher on Friday, which is good news for the Halos. Louis Renjifo was in the game. He had a hit, a double, and it should have been an RBI, but Bill Hasselman didn't send Taylor Ward home from third base. I think Ward wanted to go. He actually ran through the stop sign and then eventually stopped halfway and went back. It could have been an RBI for Louis Renjifo, and he hit the ball between shortstop and second base into left center. And I think that this is a benefit for Renjifo not having the shift because they were playing him straight up and he found a hole. There's been a lot of offseason talk about the Halos shortstop position, obviously, and I think that Renjifo is going to be one of those guys that's going to be sneaky good for the Halos. I can see him being the shortstop that we had been hoping for for a long time, just didn't expect it would be him. Also, this lineup I think was the closest on Friday that we're going to get when we see opening day come around. Renjifo played DH, obviously, or uh, Otani is going to be the DH and starting pitcher on opening day. Urshela played short. I think that uh, Urshela might be there on opening day and not Louis Renjifo. I think they're going to give him a shot. Urshela actually has looked really good, especially this weekend. And we'll talk a little bit later about uh, his his bat. He's looked really, really strong. But I think for the most part, we're going to see a lineup that's going to be based upon matchups and Phil Nevin is going to match up against whoever is pitching that day. And so we're going to see a rotation of players. But I do think that what we saw on Friday will be as close as we'll get to the opening day lineup. And I also loved seeing Renjifo in right field early last week. It feels like they're trying to get him some at-bats, maybe even create some more opportunity for him during the season. He did play the outfield in 2021 and in 2022 for 103 innings total. His results weren't super great, but it's not 
completely his fault. He's learning the outfield. And so being in the outfield during spring training is probably the best place for him to be. Again, it adds a whole lot of depth. And I got to tell you, it was great to see Logan Ohapi in there. Give him all of the reps, friends. Let him be the guy that actually gets the reps and gets the at-bats and looks really great. I I loved seeing him in that game. Here's the not-so-good from Friday, and that was Carlos Estevez. I mean, this guy threw 12 consecutive balls to start his outing, and then he finally struck out J.D. Martinez. He has six walks in two-thirds of an inning at this point in the spring, and I got to be honest, as a fan, man, I was really concerned about that. I did get some ease to that concern when I saw a tweet from our friend Sam Blum. He said this regarding Carlos Estevez's control issues in the spring. Phil Nevin said he's not concerned. They're trying to get him to throw up in the zone more, and that's why he was missing. He's learning to throw up in the zone. They feel like his fastball up in the zone is an unhittable pitch, and so they're just teaching him how to get that ball up in the zone, which is why he walked a lot of guys, because he's finding out where he can actually put it in the strike zone, and he's learning how to do that. Historically, Estevez's numbers are actually really strong when it comes to his control of his pitches. He usually doesn't have control issues. That's why it was a bit concerning, maybe a bit surprising is a, is a better word, thinking about Carlos Estevez this weekend. Right now, if I had to pick somebody, I'm picking Jimmy Herget to be the closer to at least start the season. I mean, he's looked really, really good. And I looked up his stats last year, 69 innings pitched. He only gave up four home runs, 15 walks. I mean, this guy is giving me a whole lot of confidence and he's repeating that this season so far in the spring. Now, this game on Friday, Angels-Dodgers ended up in a tie. And I'm going to give you my philosophy of wins, losses, and ties during the spring. So take it or leave it. But I really see the Halos, if, if they win, I look at when they scored. So if they scored early in a game, it tells me that they got some good hits off of the opposing team's starters or potential starters. And that that starter will most likely be in the rotation for that opposing team this season. So I, I see that as a good sign. It means that our main starters and hitters actually got some good contact against their main starting pitcher. And if they score runs late, then I actually look more at how they actually scored. I'll ask the question, like, who was it? Was it someone that needs to develop or improve? And did they come back? That's always a good thing, right? To set a good precedent during the spring. Was the was there pressure? What was the pressure like? And so in this game, the Dodgers actually were up to nothing and didn't give up any sort of runs. And then only Estevez had given up two runs to the Dodgers. And then the young hitters actually actually came back and drew a couple of walks. And then Miles Emerson was actually somebody that knocked in the the tying runs to tie the game. It was Adams and Paris that actually scored in the ninth inning. And so great, great game on Friday, even though it ended in a tie. I think a lot of good things, a lot of things to pay attention to, a couple of concerns, but overall it was fun to watch Tyler Anderson debut for the Angels. And coming up on the show, we're going to talk about Brett Phillips. Now does Brett automatically get that fourth outfielder spot? Or does Joe Adele and Mickey Moniak actually have a shot? We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes here on Locked on Angels. (music) 
Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, you got to try Built Bar. With Built, Tasty is actually healthy. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they come in really unbelievable flavors like peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, churro. These bars taste like a candy bar while remaining healthy for you. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And if you're ready for a Built Bar, here's three ways that you can grab one. You can go to Built.com. They have a wide variety, wide selection of built bars, built puffs, and even granola bars. You got to try those. You could go to Walmart, and at Walmart, they actually have a four bar box of built bars with cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs. You can't lose with those flavors. And if you're near Sam's Club, you can grab yourself a 13 bar box with all of their hit flavors brownie batter and churro. And when you get them, you're going to love them and you're going to thank me later. Built bars, built puffs, you got to try this. This weekend was fun to watch a lot of baseball, and on Saturday, I got to watch one of my favorite angel pitchers, Reed Detmers. Now, full disclosure, I've been a Detmers fan since he was drafted, and when John and I did the Super Halo Brothers podcast before we were brought on to Locked On, I was calling for Reed Detmers to come up as soon as is humanly possible because I really like this guy, and he had a great year last year, and he had a great start on Saturday during spring training. Two and a third innings pitch, no hits, one earned run, two walks, and three Ks. Uh, Former Lockdown Angels host Brett McGuire actually tweeted this out. He said, Reed Detmers looks fantastic this spring. He's got a velo bump, per Phil Nevin actually mentioned that, on all of his pitches and his command of the fastball, slider, and curve have been really great. He hit 96 on Saturday. 96 on his fastball. And he hit 91 on his slider, and it had a lot of break. McGuire finished the tweet with this. He said, I could see him taking a huge step forward this season. I'm going to let you know that I'm convinced that Detmers will take a huge step forward this season. He's already taken some huge steps from 2021 to 2022. Here's some numbers. His whip in 2021 was 1.7. In 2022, 1.2. His walks per nine was 4.8 in 21. In 22, his walks per nine was 3.2. And then one more really important stat, his home runs per nine in 21 was 2.2, and in 22 was 0.9. Now, Reed was interviewed afterwards by Erica Weston on Bally Sports, and he said he was really focusing on his stamina, similar to what Tyler Anderson had said. And he said getting to three innings was actually pretty taxing on his body because he hasn't done it in a long time, but it was to be expected. And he said his hope is actually to go five, hopefully six innings regularly this season. Reed Detmers gives me Jared Washburn vibes. Those fans that have been around for a while, you remember Jared Washburn? He reminds me of Jared. And, and, and here's why. Jared coming into the season, the 0-2 season, when he became the ace of the staff, he wasn't actually considered the ace at all. He was just somebody that would eat up innings. In fact, remember the Halos traded for Kevin Apier, and they brought Kevin Apier over from the Mets. They traded Mo Vaughn. Remember this trade? And then Mo Vaughn said the Angels are never going to win anything. They're not going to win a World Series, and then we ended up doing that in 2002. Apier was supposed to be the ace, the guy that was going to eat up innings for us, but Wash ended up having a 18-6 and year in 2002, he improved in three categories, Ks per nine, walks per nine, 
and homers per nine. And Detmer's numbers match Jared Walsh's, uh, Jared uh, Washburn, not Jared Walsh, that's another player, uh, former pitcher, uh, Jared Washburn's numbers from 2002. And I think with Otani and with Anderson and with Sandoval in this rotation is probably one, two, and three, or maybe with Sandoval pitching in the home opener, maybe it's going to be Otani, Sandoval, and Anderson, I think Reed's going to be that fourth piece in the rotation. And I think you're going to have to watch out for this guy because all of the Angels' success is is going to be on Reed Detmers. I think, I think Detmers is going to be probably one of, if not our best pitcher this year. And did you also see Chris Davinsky on Saturday? Our bullpen is always a question, right? We're Angel fans. We are used to that. Davinsky actually has a history of being a key contributor to the bullpen in the past for past teams. But here's my issue with with Chris. He looked good on Saturday. However, the last time that he was an average pitcher was in 2019. And the last time that he was a good pitcher was in 2017. And so I'm going to let you know that I don't think that Chris Davinsky needs to be in this bullpen, at least to start the season. I think he's got to be in the minor leagues to work on some things for two reasons. One, he's not on the 40-man roster, and so we would have to DFA someone. We'd have to get rid of somebody, put him through waivers. But two, I, I really like the pieces that we have. And Davinsky doesn't really feel like an improvement over who we already have. Now, I'm up to be wrong here. And so if you have comments, man, tweet at us or send us a message, or you can comment below if you're watching on YouTube. But the truth is, with Loop and Tapera and Moore and even Estevez, Herget, Quejada, uh, Andrew Wance, I mean, Ben Joyce and Sam Bachman are there. I'd rather see those two than, than Davinsky in this, in this bullpen. Even Zach Weiss, I think giving some of the young guys a shot would be better, unless Davinsky just blows people away. Now, speaking of DFA candidates, Andrew Velasquez just doesn't look good out there, does he? He just doesn't look good. He, he's not hitting well. He, he just doesn't look confident at the plate. He's not sure if he's a switch hitter. And I know that some people have said, hey, we should just DFA him. I don't think he gets designated for assignment just yet because he does bring a solid glove. And you can bring him in as a defensive replacement late in the game. And I think that that's actually going to be a benefit to the Halos because we do have Urshela and Ranjifo and Fletch. And I think that we're going to need a good defensive glove at short late in some games, especially when the pressure's on and as we're making a playoff push. But there hasn't been anything that he's done that says, hey, we should play him. I haven't really been impressed by Velasquez this spring at all. Again, I know it's early in the spring and there's still some time to improve. Maybe he's figuring some things out, but the Velasquez that we saw last year at the plate is the same guy that we're seeing this year. And and the other reason why I don't think we should DFA him is because there really isn't anybody in the minors that's ready to come up and replace him. I mean, Zach Neto is fantastic and we want to see Zach come up and perform and be who he can potentially be. But if he takes Squid's spot on this team, I just don't think that that's going to give him enough time give him enough at-bats, allow him to develop into the player that he could potentially be. 
Today's show is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. Every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. And you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. It's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Adding your job is simple at LinkedIn. And once you add the job, you can post the purple hashtag hiring frame around your LinkedIn profile to spread the word about the fact that you're hiring somebody and simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. So get the right people at your job. They can help you achieve the great goals that you have for your small business this year. Business owners rated LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So find qualified candidates faster, ones that you want to talk to quicker. You can post your job for free at LinkedIn linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. And remember, some terms and conditions do apply. All right, let's talk about Sunday's games. Sunday's games were actually a whole lot of fun. We had a split squad. We played the Rangers and we played the Reds. And it seemed like the Angels just decided to keep all of their offense for Sunday. We scored five runs against the Rangers and eight runs against the Reds. And our boy, John's favorite player, Patrick Sandoval, pitched against the Reds. And get this, three innings pitched, six Ks, two hits, just one earned run. You know, I talked a lot about Reed Detmers. I think Patrick Sandoval is going to be a guy that we're going to be really excited about this season. I have a feeling that Reed is actually going to be the one that might end up with more wins, but I think that Patrick Sandoval is going to be somebody that at the end of the season, we're going to see his stats, just his his regular stats, but even his deeper stats, and we're going to be really impressed with the season that he has put together. I think this guy is ready to go, and I think, Angel fans, we should be excited about what Patrick Sandoval can do this season. Ben Joyce was in relief on Sunday. He came in, still hasn't given up an earn run this spring, so that's good news. Taylor Ward had a really great game, had a double and two RBIs, and Rendon, Anthony Rendon, Tony Two Hips was up, and he drew a couple of walks in this game. And I got to tell you, friends, I think that that's what makes Rendon special, and that's what's going to help him in this lineup. He's either going to get a key hit or he's going to get on base. He may not have that high batting average, But I think we want to pay attention to his on-base percentage, his slugging percentage, and of course his OPS. I think he can really benefit this team this season, especially if he's healthy. He's going to play a great defensive third baseman. Uh, Jose Suarez pitched in the other game, and he struggled a bit. One and two-thirds innings, three hits, two runs, one walk, two Ks. These are numbers that we've seen from Suarez before, haven't we? These are numbers that we've seen in the regular season. Again, this is his first start. This is his first outing, and so I don't want to throw out too much judgment on him, but I'm a fan. It's what we do, so let me throw a, a bit of judgment Seeing him give up a lot of hits in in, in one and two-thirds innings is, is kind of frustrating, and then having the runs come and score. Here's the one thing that actually is a good thing. He only walked one batter. And for Suarez, he's a guy that when he misses, he can miss for a long time for a few batters. And so for him to just walk one guy, I think, is actually a great improvement. And again, 
early in the spring, so he's got some time to work on some things. Zach Weiss really struggled in this game, gave up three hits, three runs, and only pitched an inning. And so I really want to see this guy thrive, but so far in spring, he hasn't really put it together. Zach Neto started in the game against the Rangers, didn't have a hit, but it was just great to see him get the reps. I want Logan Ohapi to get reps. I want to see Zach Neto get all the reps as well. I love his leg kick, man. And Lindsey Crosby was on the show last week. A lot of you got to watch that, listen to that. And Lindsey says that that leg kick actually isn't a hindrance. It's actually a benefit to who Zach Neto is at the plate. And they'll work on it, and it might it might lessen a bit. We've seen that when Shohei first came. Remember, he kind of moved his feet a whole lot, and then he adjusted, and his right foot would not come off the ground. It would kind of just spin into the ground, kind of a sand angel in the ground when he would swing. I think that they're going to work with Neto on that. But if he can get a lot of power, if he can go gap to gap, and he's got that leg kick, I, I think he actually actually will keep it. And if it's a benefit to him, then he should keep it. Gio Urshela, I, I promise you we're going to talk about him. He actually had a couple of RBIs in this game, and his bat looks good in spring. And another bat that looks good is, oh, a guy named Mike Trout. He's four for 12 with three walks this spring, had an RBI double on Sunday, and Looked fantastic. He's really amping it up, going deep into games to get ready for the WBC. And then there's Brett Phillips. And Brett Phillips got his first hit of the spring on Sunday. And I really think that the competition for that fourth outfielder spot is still open. I don't think he's got it locked down. I know they signed him, and I know he's on the major league roster, and I know that really the potential of him being sent down is is less than it is for like a Joe Adele or a Mickey Moniak, but I just don't think that, that Brett Phillip has done anything to win this spot. I think he's the, the leading candidate because they did sign him, and I, I see him as a, a, a better defensive replacement over Adele and Moniak, but if Adele and Moniak can put together a really good spring. Not just offensively, but I think if they can prove themselves as sufficient in the outfield, then I think that there's going to be some discussion as to what to do with Brett Phillips, especially if he's not hitting. Yeah, let's put him out there in the outfield and allow him to give somebody a rest. But if he's a hole in the lineup, that's just not something you want to do. And we've talked often on this pod about like covering people up because we've got this really strong offensive lineup. We talked about that with Andrew Velasquez last year. And then we saw the team really struggle offensively, and then suddenly Velasquez is up with runners in scoring position, and he can't come through. And I would hate to see that with Brett Phillips this year, even if he is the fourth outfielder and subbing in and subbing out. And so don't count out Joe Adele and Mickey Moniak from this spot in the outfield. Now, I get it. They need to develop, and we need to have them get consistent at bats and consistent play in the outfield. So it's probably wise to send them down, but I'm letting my fandom speak to you today on Locked On Angels. I I just don't think that that Brett Phillips has locked this position in quite yet. And then coming up today, Griffin Canning is pitching for the very first time since his last outing in 2021. And I think that He could be that sixth starter. He could be that guy that we need. He's a right-handed pitcher, and if he's consistent, somebody we can count on, we only need about 16 starts from that sixth spot. I think Griffin Canning is the guy that we could really count on. Tucker Davidson, I think, is going to give him a bit of a run, but I think Canning is the leading candidate because he is a right-handed pitcher. 
Man, thanks for making Locked On Angels your first listen today. Now for your second listen, check out the Locked On Fantasy Baseball Podcast. You can win your league by listening to our friends Matt and Dom every single day. They're going to give you some of the best fantasy strategies for your team. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Angels and connect with both John and I on Twitter and Insta at Super Halo Bros. And coming up tomorrow, two things. Johnny will be back, and so that will be great. And two, we're actually going to talk about Mike Trout. And we're going to ask this question. Does Mike Trout and Team USA need to win the WBC Championship? Does Mike Trout need this? We're going to talk about that tomorrow on Locked On Angels. In the meantime, thanks for hanging with me, watching on YouTube, listening on the audio side. We are so grateful for those that are a part of the Angel fandom that join us every single day. Join us tomorrow as we have another great episode of Locked On Angels. Until then, great to see you. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you tomorrow.